When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Rashawn Evans, and you're listening to the No Nonsense Podcast. Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that's 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. We would love for you to connect with us on social media. We are at No Nonsense Pod on both Twitter and Facebook. We would also love for you to leave a rating and review if you're listening to the show on iTunes. But whatever platform you're listening on, we would love for you to follow or subscribe to the show. We've got a great show for you today. We're going to be recapping the last week or so of of Titans camp. This is our second week of of podcasting, of doing no nonsense. So we're going to have plenty of Titans training camp discussion. We're also going to be looking ahead a couple of days to the preseason, which is just a couple of days away for the Titans as they are set to face off against the Philadelphia Eagles in their preseason opener Thursday evening. Guys, let's start off with a discussion that was, I think, bigger before camp than it actually is at this point, and that's the wide receiver group in Tennessee. Um, This is a group that at the beginning of the year looked like it was going to be very, very competitive, but especially following the injury to Cameron Batson, it looks like the Titans just have their six guys and there's not much that's going to be done to alter that. Yeah, the the wide receiver position has been kind of – a weakness for, for for a lot of years and and finally this season it seemed like we were going into the, into the year with with fresh faces and finally some solidity within the group especially with the additions of adam humphreys who's who's been a, a solid reliable target for the bucks over the years and then you bring in aj brown who's one of the best prospects in the draft a, a versatile guy who can play both inside and outside and, and was the best receiver on Ole Miss, uh, uh, even though he was flanked by DK Metcalf, who a lot of a lot of draft Twitter people liked a lot. But Brown was Brown was a better prospect, and, and it, it it was just really exciting to get those two players in, and, and I think it will be. And I think with them solidifying probably the top three spots, along with Corey Davis, who who's going to be the number one on this on this offense, it, it seems like the Titans finally have a really solid group of receivers and I'm interested to see how the battle for the number four spot plays out although I'm not sure if if AJ Brown is going to be able to solidify himself as a number three receiver just because of this injury that has kept him out for so long so I assume Taewon and Tajay Sharp are going to be battling it out for that either third or fourth spot and by all accounts Tajay Sharp has had a fantastic training camp uh, and I, I hope it continues into the preseason and he can capture some of that early rookie season magic that he that that he showed off in the past. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, Corey Davis at the top, but then Adam Humphreys in the slot and Tajay seems like the guy who's going to start outside until we see AJ Brown. <laughs> then you've got a couple of good guys. I think you have to keep Derek. Darius Jennings, because what he gives you on special teams, I just think he's too good to let somebody else match up. And as a receiver, he's competent. Like, I mean, I'm not not kind of speaking ill of Cameron Batson or anything like that, but I, I I never saw him as a guy who I was like, okay, he's so dynamic. Even though I don't think he's a very good special teams player, you've got to keep him on the roster. I, I mean, everybody else saw it, I guess, and I, I was excited to see if I was wrong or right, but uh, we don't get to this year. But I think those guys have to be your kind of locked-in five receivers. But 
I mean, after that, I mean, I guess. I just don't know. Like, it, it doesn't seem like it's too hard. The only thing is, like, how much do you like Taewon? Like, do you like Taewon more than you like Anthony Ferkser or Miko Pruitt or, you know, some of those other guys who are kind of fringe guys who may be able to give you something on special teams and can also contribute on offense? But, I mean, just in terms of wide receiver, it's nice to not worry about the starters and just kind of worry about the depth for once and not to really have to project, like, well, this fifth-round rookie wide receiver may actually be great and may be able to put up 500 or 600 yards. We pretty much know what we're going to get out of all the players we have for the first time in, I don't know, a decade. And then even behind them, you have A.J. Brown, who could turn out to be the second best out of all of them, which, I mean, is exciting. But the Titans aren't dependent on it for the first time in forever, which is nice. Yeah, well, I think you made a couple of really nice points I will say this, though. To me, it's not a question of do you want Taewon or Anthony Ferkser because I think they're they're probably going to keep six wide receivers regardless. And I think that's probably becoming a standard around the league just because of, number one, how passing-oriented the league is. But, you know, you don't want to move on from someone. You want to keep your numbers up. You want to have, you know, some depth there on game days and some options to choose from. And so I think the decision is less of a, are we keeping six tight ends or, or six, six wide receivers or four tight ends and more of a, d- a discussion of which six wide receivers are we going to keep? And on that note, if anyone is going to sneak their way into that group of six, I think it's going to be Khalif Raymond. That's a name that, that if you've, if you've followed Titans camp on Twitter, you've probably seen thrown out a lot. He's a guy who's very, very fast. He's been on several different teams over the last two years. He's never really stuck or found a role anywhere. And look, he's he's looked good in practice. He looks to have a rapport with, with Ryan Tannehill and, and Marcus Mariota when he has been in with the ones and limited opportunities. But as cool of a story as that would be, I still think you probably have to keep Taewon Taylor over him. A lot to take in. I know I just said a lot, but but Matthias, where does your mind go with all that? Yeah, I don't. I think the only way for I don't I don't see them keeping seven receivers. I really don't. I remember I I, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before. We we talked so much about the receiver position and how many of they're going to keep. We thought about them keeping seven or eight receivers. Oh, I remember and then that. They, they ended up keeping only five. So it, it was like it was it was between yeah. like Harry Douglas, Eric yeah. Weems, guys. Trey like McBride that. was yeah, in there. Yeah, Deontay so Burnett were... was in there. Deontay yeah, Burnett yeah. should have been on the roster. Oh, so it was last year. I, yeah. I think Burnett yeah. Burnett was last year. This was two years ago with with, oh, with oh, Weems and Douglas. Ago. That was a Malarkey yeah, year, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and then they no, snuck they right. snuck their guys in because they put uh, Tajay Sharp on injured reserve. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're right. That's right. Yeah. So. I don't think this is going to be like that. I think six is, is probably the magic number, and and it makes sense given the guys that are on the team. But we've uh, we already named the six that that we assume are going to make it, and I think the only way that a Khalif Raymond or maybe uh, an Anthony Ratliff Williams who who has has been talked about pretty highly by 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 some reporters, uh, I I think the only way for them to sneak onto the roster is is, is for Taewon or Tajay Sharp to get traded. Or, or an injury to happen maybe to, to a tight end or, or, or another guy who would be a core special teamer. I think the, the, those are really uh, the only options. I find it interesting that, that you talk about Khalif Raymond. I've seen his name pop up a lot. And I, I'm not surprised because the Titans seem to like these guys that have been on other teams or, and haven't been able to stick, but they, they make a name for themselves in camp. Uh, Darius Jennings is one of those guys. He bounced around a couple teams, played a little bit with the Browns, but couldn't solidify himself. And then he comes here, finds a role for himself as the main kick returner. And he was a fantastic kick return last year, probably probably the best in the league. I think the only other guy was maybe Andre Roberts, who was close to him. Yeah, statistically, and, uh, Jennings was the best in the league in terms of yards yeah, per attempt. Correct, yeah. He was over 30, which is insane. I, I can't remember the I don't know if we've ever had a kick return like that. So, but yeah, uh, in terms of in terms of how many we're going to keep, I think it should be six. Uh, it'd be it'd be nice to see one of these guys, Raymond or Ratliff Williams, make the team. But they seem more like practice squad guys to me. Yeah, Luke, you're the only one who's seen Ratliff Williams. Does he look like an NFL player? or Does he look like kind of a Trey McBride kind of guy? 
To me, Anthony Ratliff Williams is that guy who wears number 16 and nothing more because I've yeah. never seen him do anything. I, I don't understand. And, and I have seen that name thrown around. Like like mm-hmm. we were doing a, a live practice recap after, after practice one day at A to Z Sports, and, and we were talking about like a, a receiver that could push Taewon Taji off the roster. We were talking about Khalif Raymond, and someone commented, is it Anthony Ratliff Williams? And I was so surprised by that and, and even surprised Matias when you just brought his name up. Uh, I don't want to get too far into this discussion, but I, I haven't really seen anything of note from him at all. Yeah, that's fair. I just knew his name from the pre-draft yeah, process yeah. because I had seen him at UNC. And uh, there, there were a couple, I, I think even Jim White had a tweet about him flashing or whatever. So I, I don't know. Yeah. I just, it's, it's always it it's always vague, nondescriptive things like right. which I, I don't I don't understand where that comes from. It's like Anthony Ratliff Williams had a catch in one on one drills and he flashed throughout practice. And I'm like, oh, well, OK, the, like the problem the, comes the into play like like right. today. The Titans did a uh, like a situational walkthrough. They went through like end of game scenarios. So, you know, fourth down with 16 seconds left on your own 40 or whatever. And. Then reporters whose bosses want them to write a recap article from the day have to, after a walkthrough, sit down and write who stood out today. So a lot of these like vague, nondescriptive stuff that you see, that's what it comes from. And it's not good, and you shouldn't buy into that garbage. So I've done some quick research. I've seen a couple of videos. Apparently he wears number 83, and uh, he looks fantastic from the two videos I saw. Uh, so, oh, Anthony Ratliff Williams wears 83? <laughs> 83, correct, yes. Well, who wears 16? I don't know. That's a, that's a great question that I can't answer <laughs> Cody just Hollister. yet. Cody Hollister. Oh, hold on. I see a roster over here. I'll grab oh, it. you're right. It is Cody Hollister. Yeah. I don't even know who that is. I don't know. Uh, he's, I, <laughs> apparently, he, the the moral of this story is clearly Anthony, Anthony Ratliff Williams has not been showing out at well, Titans training camp because I've been there for ten days and don't know what number he wears. Well, the cool thing is about Hollister is um, he's actually a friend of Arthur Smith and his family because uh, his parents own Hollister, the company that makes all the jeans and stuff, and obviously Arthur Smith's dad is. A, the I guess the creator of FedEx, so yeah, that's they're family joke, friends. Right? That's why. It's on, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. He's not, that's, that's all. That's all lies. That's all, that's no, lies. that was that was gar. I was so with you there. You didn't <laughs> yeah, get Matias, some, but you totally had me going. <laughs> it's just some like five nine like kid from who used to play lacrosse, and they're like, yeah, we'll just go ahead and bring him up. My family, you know, summers with him. <laughs> I want to talk about a couple of the Titans receivers in particular. We've kind of thrown their names around to this point. I want, I want to talk about Taewon Taylor and Tajay Sharp. They're, they've kind of been linked at the hip ever since Taylor has been drafted. Uh, they, they've been in the league together and been on the Titans together ever since then. And for the first time, they're not really going to be called into or, or shoved into roles that are too big for them which I think is only going to help them because once A.J. Brown is healthy, he's obviously the Titans' number two wide receiver or number three, whatever you want to call Humphreys, two or three. Uh, and so Tajay Sharp and Adam and, and Taewon Taylor are going to get to be role players for the first time in their careers. And Tajay Sharp, I think, will excel at that because he can play all three receiver spots. He's pretty reliable. He's pretty good at, at reading coverages and getting himself open. He's a very cerebral player. Uh I think that Taewon Taylor is going to suffer from this because I think he's a volume-based guy, and playing situationally, I think he's going to take away, number one, from his ceiling, but also I do want to say that I don't know that his ceiling is that high. Have, have we seen his ceiling? Do we think we have? Because well, I mean, well, he had a- You know, when he was drafted, we all looked back to what he did at Western Kentucky where he was— uh-huh. You know, yeah. a, a beast. I don't can't think of another word for it. I mean, ten catches a game, hundred yards every single week. Right, but in the NFL, it it has not worked out that way. And I I don't I don't know what his ceiling is really. I, I don't I don't think we could say what it is. Uh, I, I mean, he's just he's just a, a situational deep threat at this point, right? And he hasn't really 
done much to, to prove any differently. I think he's only had a couple games where he, where he had more than five catches or something like that. And the, and the biggest games came where he, he got by the defense and he made a couple of big plays, uh, like the Colts game on Monday night uh, and the Jets game, uh, I think, last season. So I don't, I don't know. I, I'm going to be honest. I've completely lost my faith in Taewon. Maybe I'm jumping ship too early. He hasn't really been on great offensive teams, and he hasn't really had that consistent quarterback play. But he's kind of hurt himself with a lot of ill-advised drops and seems like concentration issues. So I would put him behind Tajay at this point in the picking order, even though I I've been adamant about my not not that not that I don't not that I hate Tajay Sharp. I just don't. <laughs> I, I I I just think he's very like capped as a pro i don't i don't think there's a lot of upside or potential there but i mean at least he catches the ball he doesn't he doesn't get open that often but but in contested catch situations he's actually pretty good especially over the middle of the field so i think that's something that you prioritize especially when you have a a quarterback like Mariota who's very accurate yeah like Tajay seems like a guy who on a good day is going to be three receptions for 60 yards and a touchdown like that's that's a good day for Tajay Sharp and I mean a good day for Taewon Taylor could you know has and could obviously be over 100 yards um my thing is this is first of all we know that uh, Taewon Taylor is not the best deep threat on the team right like that would be Corey Davis Corey Davis, well, of, you know, obviously, but Corey Davis, well, well, yeah, this is a better route. Run. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just building towards a larger point. So if you're throwing 20 yards down the field, obviously your first target is Corey Davis. Your second target should probably be Delaney Walker, given on how consistently they catch the ball. How you think you know, a 35 year old tight end should be your second deep threat? I think if I'm throwing the ball 20 yards down the field, I've seen Taewon Taylor miss by you know half a yard in his route so many times that it's uh, that I I'm almost willing to bet that when Mariota throws that ball, he's throwing it to where he gets it most often in practice, and he he just doesn't run the same routes in games, and that's that's why he's so that's why Taewon uh, um, is so dynamic when they throw him those screens like Blaine Gabbert did, and they get him in space and let him run, but then when they throw the ball deep down the field, he seems to mistrack it, or he seems to just be in the wrong place, or you know yeah. he can't come down with the catch so many times. I actually, I'm like kind of thinking back on, on what I thought of, of him as a prospect when he was at Western Kentucky, and I remember writing in my notes at some point that he wasn't very good at these contested catch situations down the sideline, deep down the sideline, and what I did like how they Western Kentucky used him a lot was was in the middle of the field on these shorter routes where he had time to to find a pocket of space, catch the ball and turn up field and make something happen. So I'm kind of doubting or like thinking about the fact that maybe he got typecast in, into a role that doesn't suit him in the NFL. And I think maybe that that's kind of what we've seen. And especially when I think back about him as a prospect and Corey Davis as a prospect who consistently got open downfield with just fantastic route running and underrated speed in college, it's kind of making sense what you're saying to me. Yeah, I mean, Luke, do you do you see any of that? I mean, do you ever, I mean, would you rather have a guy in Tajay who can convert a third and seven you know, pretty consistently if you throw it mm-hmm. to him. Now, he may never get you a 20 or 30-yard catch yeah. where he catches and outruns. Um, or would you rather have a guy who 33% of the time, if you throw a deep ball, he might come up with it and score a 60-yard touchdown? It's a tough proposition. I, I really think it is. I would almost rather have Tajay Sharp the cerebral third down converter and here's why i think that what tajay sharp does is less replaceable than what taywan taylor does because i could go out on the free agent market right now well let's say once teams cut from from 90 to 53 of all those guys that get cut i'm going to be able to find someone who's fast who can outrun coverage and occasionally convert a deep ball I'm not going to be able to find someone who's cerebral and who understands how to get open and who isn't a great athlete but is able to use their limited athleticism to do some nice things. 
So that's my answer. Do do we think Adam Humphreys is more like Taewon or more like Tajay Sharp? I think he's honestly yes. like them morphed into one player. Right? Yeah, in the middle. Yeah, yeah. He's he's he has brought, the after the capability of Taewon, but he gets open sure hands and yes. route running of yeah. Tajay. Except and, he's fast. And, and like, I think faster. I mentioned this last week on our show, but the thing that has surprised me about Adam Humphreys from the first time that I turned on a Buccaneers game of his after the Titans signed him to the, the first time I saw him in practice up close in person is we knew he was quick. We knew he had the change of direction stuff, the option routes, all that. He's fast, guys. He's fast. Mm-hmm. He's going to be able to – I'm not saying he's going to stretch the field, but like you said, Matias, that after the catchability, when the ball is in his hands, whether it be on a screen pass or a dump off or over the middle of the field – he gets from zero to whatever very, very quickly, and he's going to be able to make things happen with the ball in his hands. Yeah, it's kind of like that stereotypical white guy slot receiver thing where you just assume, oh, he's crafty. He, he could get open, and he could body catch the ball and just get you what you need. He's not, he's not really that guy. He, he can explode down the field uh, whenever he has the ball in his hands, so. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, I think people expect him, you know, like get eight yards, fall. But, I mean, you watch him on those one-on-one drills with him with Logan Ryan where Logan Ryan is great. Like, if they had a specific slot corner spot in the Pro Bowl, he would get it or he would get a lot of of votes every year because he's just that good. But, I mean, he – Adam Humphreys, like, broke him off like it was nothing. And this isn't those, those routes that you see sometimes. On those, yeah. On those- one on goal line drill. Yeah, yeah, and it's not those routes you see where a guy like makes fifteen different cuts. Like they do some of those, and those are ridiculous, and those are for the wide receivers just to work on their burst out of their breaks and the corners, whatever. I mean, this is like he'll completely. Is, there's one specific clip that I'm sure we've all seen by now, but I mean, he fakes his head completely all the way inside while his body is running full speed, and then his legs and whole body shift the other way without his head moving. And so Logan Ryan is reading the V of the neck. Like, that's you're supposed to read the V of the neck and the screws of the helmet. Like, that's what you're taught to do. And he does it, and he's right. But he, I mean, Adam Humphreys' weird Gumby style flexibility from the neck down and his quick feet, like, he snaps his head around and he's already got three yards of separation on Logan Ryan. And Logan Ryan is very clearly confused as to what happened because you just don't see players do that. So, I mean, it's not like he's this guy who's just going to barely, like, outrun a guy by half a step. I mean, it, he, he, he could outrun guys by like four or five steps. And then if he gets the ball in his hands in rhythm, I mean, you're right. Like he could get like 15 yards after the catch, which we, we, I don't know if we've ever, we've ever really sat down and talked about it, but Mariota consistently has some of the fewest yards after catch. Uh, oh, in the it's NFL. pathetic. Yeah. And, and it's because like, you'll see guys like catch the ball and then they'll like get tackled. I mean, it, they kind of do the Derrick Henry thing where he used to do where it's like if somebody gently touches him, then like he immediately like feels like he's starting to go to the ground or they hold the ball away from their body. It It's it's infuriating, and a lot of it's just because of lack of athleticism, and last year was kind of a screwy example of it. But, I mean, you look at the guys he's had to throw to as, as actual receivers, and you've got guys like Eric Decker, Tajay Sharp, no offense. I know we just talked like big. So limited athletically. Even yeah, Rashard like, Matthews wasn't very athletic either. No, and then Andre Johnson. And I mean, <laughs> like, Ken- Kendall Wright would frequently lose more yards than he should have if he just would have gone down. And like, and the, the discussion of, you know, I will stand on the table and tell you that throwing a screen pass just to say you threw a screen pass is absurd. And the Titans have never really until now, had someone that you can throw a screen pass to. And it's Humphreys. Yeah, I mean, he, he's so quick in that short area. And I don't know if it's one of those things where it's like, if you play so low to the ground, it's hard for guys to see you. Like, you know, you hear that a lot. But he just seems to, like, move at a different speed than everybody. And I've seen so many times, you know, back in the Valentino Blake years, Gosh. where you see guys just where it looks like they're in molasses and the, you know, the Colts receivers are just faster than everybody else on the field. Like that's what it looks like when Humphreys has the ball is it's like really good defensive backs and linebackers. Like even when he was playing with Tampa, like you'll see him and it's just like, they're moving at a different speed and he's moving in like bullet time. So like he's super exciting, but you know, 
the the Titans have more offensive weapons than they've ever had. Oh, absolutely. And right now, right now, I'm really confident in what what Arthur Smith is doing. I really like the fact that he's never moved Humphreys out of the slot except for like occasionally like bumping him outside. Like, and when by the way, when you see clips and when you're in practice and you see him bumped outside, it's the whole. um, Somebody used to say when they first started transition Fitzgerald to the slot is you've always got to watch when a team puts a number one receiver in the slot because it usually means that that's a pass designed to go to them when they do that uh, and put Humphreys on the outside usually the guy on the inside is Corey Davis who led the Titans in receiving from the slot last year so they find ways to get him open that way to get him off boundary corners or to give him more space so while Humphreys is quote-unquote the outside receiver it's more to give Corey Davis a cushion to do more work against that corner than it is anything else. So uh, Arthur Smith seems like he knows what he's doing, and I'm really excited. But I, I will always have this fear after years and years of mismanaging talent that some offensive coordinator, that Arthur Smith's going to turn into every offensive coordinator we've ever seen with the Titans, and he's going to put players in the wrong position, and he's going to, you know, convince himself that Adam Humphreys is actually a boundary receiver, and wouldn't it be great if we had another one of those? And then we're going to get screwed long term. But if he just, if his biggest asset is that he can just figure out where players are supposed to go on the field pre-snap and then let everything else take its course. This will be the most talented offense the Titans have had since they went to the Super Bowl. I I mostly agree with that, especially what you said about Arthur Smith putting these guys in the right spots. Uh, The -hmm. the preseason is coming up, as I mentioned in the open of the show. Titans play the Philadelphia Eagles for their preseason opener on Thursday evening. What are you guys looking for in the preseason? Because we're going to have a topic in a minute where we'll we'll discuss, you know, is the preseason still worth it? And we'll kind of discuss that on the show throughout the preseason. But with the preseason being what it is, where starters don't play very much, if at all, what are you looking for? What do you want to see? And, and I'll start off by saying that what I – Really, especially starting last year when I started watching Titans practice every day during camp, I realized that the one thing you just can't get a read on during practice is the running game. It's it's a sham for the most part, right? You hand the ball off, dude treks forward a couple steps. Every now and then he breaks one off and people kind of get excited. But you really can't tell what's going on in the running game in practice. And so what I'm looking for in this preseason game is – Someone like an Alex Barnes, a Jeremy McNichols, a um, a Daylon Dawkins, guys like that who have been getting good practice opportunities with Henry on the men uh, due to an injury, I want to see one of those guys go out there and make it hard for John Robinson to cut them because running backs are so replaceable these days, and I would be shocked if David Fluellen was not on the roster. So I want to see one of those guys go out and with his performance, tell John Robinson, you're going to keep four running backs and I'm going to be number four. Yeah, it's it's tough for me to really pinpoint anything that I want in preseason or even in this game, uh, but I will try to. I don't know who's going to play. It's impossible to really ever tell, but I would like to see how the Titans offensive line does especially with Luan I'm assuming he's not going to play it I don't know if he can even but I'm assuming Dennis Kelly's going to get the start of left tackle and and the rest is going to be set in stone except for maybe the right guard position I'm interested to see if Pamphil will start it or if Nate Davis is going to start and I'm interested in the O-line because they're probably going to go up against one of the best defensive lines in the entire league I mean the Eagles have Derek Barnett, Fletcher Cox, Vinnie Curry, Brandon Graham. They just got Malik Jackson. So that is such a good and deep defensive line that, that the Titans are going to go up against with an offensive line that that kind of struggled last year and has wasn't able to get its footing. And now they're down Luan. So I, I, I'd like to see the, the Titans offensive line mesh together well for the limited time that they're going to be out there. Usually the offensive line plays – the starters play a little longer than than the position players, so so we'll see we'll see how long they're out there and how they how they look together in the in their first uh, action. Yeah, I mean, I was going to go the same direction, but I've got something I'll talk about in a second, which is different. But I'm, I'm really interested to see just in terms of the offensive line and the run game if 
we see a lot of Corey Levin at center and Ben Jones at right guard because you could theoretically show, okay, here's your kind of veteran starting line, whether it's Lawan or Kelly or whatever, and then from them over. And then you can leave most of those guys in and then pull Pantfield out at right guard, bring in Levin at center, and then run with that look and see how that works. Because, I mean, we've seen them do that in an actual game. We know that's a formation or at least a combination that they kind of like. I I won't say it's the best. I'm not super confident in Nate Davis. I haven't seen him in pads, but I was never really impressed with his college tape. I think he's more of a toolsy guy who could develop rather than a guy you can start right now. I think – He's just too raw, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Keith Carter's done a great job, but you know, if he plays, we'll see that. If not, I hope we see the Levin and Ben Jones combination at least some. So, so as I hinted about uh, when we started talking about what we want to see from the Titans in the preseason, um, I mentioned that we were going to have a discussion about is the preseason worth it? And this is a, a, a discussion we'll continue having throughout the preseason, but now, I wrote a column about this last month about how I think that the preseason should be at the very least trimmed down. I know that Commissioner Goodell is of that belief. Uh, there are certainly some players who are of that belief. And and there's really two reasons that I think that the preseason is not worth it. I'll give you number one, and we'll talk about that, and then we can get into number two. Number one is this. For a veteran player... The preseason is clearly not worth it because we have moved past the days of veterans playing a series or two and in the third game they play the whole first half. Because last year, the Los Angeles Rams didn't play any of their offensive starters at all at any point during the preseason. And while no other team was quite that extreme with it, I know Mike Vrabel with the Titans last year did not play Marcus Mariota beyond like a few snaps into the second quarter in the third preseason game. And as unwatchable as the fourth preseason games have become with no starters at all playing, it is not a benefit to starting players and veterans to the preseason outside of this thing of get back into the groove of things, which I say do that in two games instead of four. Yeah, so I hate the preseason for a lot of reasons. <laughs> I just, I, I don't know. I don't really see the benefits of it. I, I know there are some, like, but but how many players really make the team from preseason? Exactly. I, I mean, I feel like most of that happens in practice because you're seeing them every single day and you see how they perform, who who they are, like what their work ethic is and stuff like that. I know a game setting does matter, but I just I just don't know if you really win spots in a lot of these games. I think maybe Ferkser might have last year. I, yes. He had a good preseason, right? So I, I think maybe that was one where, where you could point to and, and be like, see, the, it, it does matter. But, I mean, what he did over four games, you don't think in two games – he would have shown it. I, I think he would have shown enough. Although I have a hot take that the preseason shouldn't even exist, period, and we should play zero games. But that's for another That's an, for another time. And, Matisse, you kind of spoiled my point, which was that <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of people like to say, well, it's good for the young guys because they can put good things on tape. But what I say to that is it doesn't matter for that either because – and I tried to get Mike Vrabel to admit that. He had a, a like a sidebar with the media during OTAs, and I asked him, I, I said, you know, the commissioner said that he wants to shorten the preseason. What do you think about that? And Vrabel's like, oh, you know, we'll just go play whatever games they tell us to play. And I'm like, okay, you want to play that game? I'll ask you this question. If so-and-so player has three interceptions in a preseason game, is that going to make any difference in the world as to whether they make the roster? And he's like, well, you know, I'd have to look at the interception and see, was it just a tip ball? And then he kept going on cliche, but he ended with this. He ended with this. He said, but I'm also going to look at what are they doing in practice. And, yeah. I'm, and I wanted to say, all right, Mike, that told me everything I needed to know. Yeah, exactly. I feel like that's that's worth more to, to, to coaches at least. And a lot of these guys that maybe are fighting for jobs – they, they end up playing against other backups, and it's not really a good barometer of how they would perform in an actual NFL game. So I just, I, I don't see the value 
But 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 I mean I I'm not of the mindset that a lot of these owners are where we have to go to 18 games. I don't I don't agree with that. But like I said, that's for another time. Okay, like I didn't think I was going to come out of this podcast as like the champion of the preseason, like <laughs> def- like defending it. Um, I think the best way to kind of contextualize why it's important is let's say last year that Rashawn Evans has the preseason practice. Okay. Instead of having that four-game lull, which you can blame it on injuries or missing training camp or whatever, but middle linebackers really only do their job in actual full-contact games. Because, you know, we've seen guys like Avery Williamson make a bunch of contact with guys and then get driven into the end zone. And, you know, that's great because in training camp that's a tackle, but in a preseason game it's not. Like, it's a tackle when a guy's on the ground. So – Let's say you have a guy like Rashawn Evans last year, and let's say he's healthy and he plays a whole preseason. If we had gotten Rashawn Evans healthy for the entire season, the Titans probably make the playoffs. Uh, I mean, I don't think that's a crazy hot take. Like, does he makes enough plays in the run game and as a pass rusher to have impacted the Bills game, which was week five? Um, so, like, the preseason would have kind of helped him be the guy he was in the Dallas game and, you know, the Jaguars games and all those late season games, an impact player who gives you a lot, a real first round pick. And he would have changed that game and gives you 10 wins instead of nine. You make the playoffs. So I do think there's value for guys like middle linebackers and quarterbacks who really have to adjust to speed and, you know, really have to adapt as young players. But yeah, like if you're talking to me about, you know, what are we going to see from Jarrell Casey? It, we all know it doesn't matter. Like, it, even if he did play, it, it's he's not going to teach us anything new. If you're talking about me, talking to me about Derrick Henry, like, we're not going to see anything new. Like, if he rips off seven 70 yard rushes, I'm not going to think about him any different than if he runs, you know, five attempts for 20 yards. So, I mean, for those guys, it doesn't matter. For the young guys, I think it does. Do you, do you think we're going to let. Uh, going back to Luke uh, and and the fact that you want to see the backs maybe maybe make a name for themselves, do you think they're going to be able to with the backup offensive line? And, and we've seen how how god awful backup offensive linemen are in the NFL. I just I just I just don't think you can make conclusions from from these types of games. But but maybe you can. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I'm not a coach, so well, I can't really. I can't another, really say. another thing. Going back to our earlier discussion of you know what we're looking to see, I'll also concede that you can learn a lot about special teams in a game, much more about special teams in a game situation than in a real situation. Because with the mm-hmm. Titans having a, a battle going on at punt returner, which we'll talk more about next week, uh, you, you want to be able to actually see a live punt return with some of these guys, not just the jugs machine shoots it up there and we don't actually tackle anyone. That's a good point. And also yeah. on kick returns and stuff like that, seeing seeing the gunners fly up and make tackles, I guess that is that is worth it. Yeah, instead of them just running full speed and overrunning their landmarks and they're, right. like, they're just like screaming and like clapping their hands and stuff like when it's just a jugs machine and the ball is just laying on the ground. So, I mean, there there are several small things that need to be worked on in preseason that can really only be worked on when you're like, okay, we're gonna go full speed for seven plays you know with the starters and we're going to see exactly what we are we're not going to game plan for it the games don't ultimately matter but you know for these seven plays y'all have to play 100 percent so we can get a good idea of who you are like i do think there is value in that and maybe it's adjusting the guys take maybe it's stuff we can't see and maybe it's stuff that they see in practice and that they think they like what if nate davis is playing with the starters and for the first four plays, his butt's down where it's supposed to be. And then for the next three, he you know kind of panics and the pace gets to him and he picks his butt up and then he gets driven off the ball because he's got no strength. Like, the, okay, now you know that when the real bullets were flying, he didn't do what you trying to do. So now you have to consider that before you put him in front of Marcus Mariota against J.J. Watt and Jadavion Clowney or Calais Campbell and Yannick Ngakwe. Like, you need to know those answers now when you can just say, okay, Marcus got touched once. We're pulling him out of the preseason game, you know, rather than when the bullets are really flying. I have a, I have a question. Who is mm-hmm. kicking for the Titans in this preseason? Austin Barnyard? Barnard. Oh, Barnard. Oh, okay. The pride of Samford University. Isn't that guy a punter? 
I'm pretty sure. He, yes, yes uh, he is a punter. He's also the backup punter. Which he does both. Is, oh, he does both. Cool. Uh, well, I guess I guess I just know that he that. shanked a 39 yarder in practice last oh. week. Well, you'd love to hear that. So yeah, Maybe should he's just getting should, the jitters out? Should every team just have their most athletic player kicking field goals, and if their starter can't do it, that they just have that guy come and do it, like an Dominican well, Sue situation? Vrabel did say on Monday that there's still hope that Suckup kicks in the preseason. So I, I wouldn't be too worried about that. Yeah, but what if he sucks? Like, I mean, I, I, I like suck up, and I think he's really good. But I mean, he didn't end the season last year on a great note. Yeah, I agree. Which with that. we've and we've talked about it before. Confidence is a big thing for kickers. Like, what if he comes in there and he like rushes back, like whether consciously or unconsciously? It's week four of the preseason, and he misses two kicks wide left, and it's like, oh shit! Like, do we know, yeah. do we know which knee it was? I think that's really important. Is kicking knee right? Is right knee? I okay, then that's not get as that bad. Information. Give me f- just a minute. I feel like I feel like if it's your plant leg, that I don't know something it's like because you have to yeah. lock it out. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I have a picture of him at a dinner party wearing crutches. Oh, you think you could see the stitches? No, well, no, 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 no. With I thought maybe you might have a brace on or something. Yeah. Oh, never mind. <laughs> see the stitches through. His <laughs> Like Dan, I like, can't tell stitches, based on the yeah, picture. See the stitches through his pants. It, it, he's not kicking in week one. <laughs> we don't we don't worry about it. Some investigative journalism. <laughs> it, it was his picture was sent to me. Apparently, someone like one of his friends had him over for dinner. He and his wife, and like there was a picture taken, and it was posted on an Instagram story. And in this picture, he has a pair of crutches behind him. Okay. So, but <laughs> I can't. Let me say that I just looked at Austin Barnard's picture, and I would not trust this guy <laughs> to make a field goal <laughs> at any point. Okay, <laughs> googling Austin face. Barnyard. I don't know his real name, but... he just looks too pure, man. Someone asked me today how to say his name. They're like, "How do you say this guy's name?" I'm like, I think it's Barnard. Barnard, yeah. Oh man, how, how it's spelled. He... He, yeah, he definitely looks like just a nice kid. Um, child. Yeah, if, if you're listening to this, I'm I'm sorry, uh, but I've paused his eyes do point. look a little we're, bit we're more center. Okay, cool. You paused it. He okay. So okay, this isn't recording. <laughs> look at him and then look at those pictures of it from uh, it, the, the uh, Pennywise the clown from it. Like okay. how they intentionally design his eyes to be different, like pointed different ways. That's what. Oh my god! It's like if you cover one. Oh yeah. If you cover one side of his face, he's looking one way, and if you cover Whoa. one side of his face, he's looking, yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice that. How did are you, you catch are, that, dude? Are you talking about the kicker or the kicker. Or Pennywise? Uh, <laughs> I because I I, I've seen Pennywise because I watched a, a video on YouTube forever ago about how they were like. We designed Pennywise so that one eye would always be looking at the audience, and the other eye would always be looking at the character and i'm like oh that's creepy and oh, then like i've started like noticing when people had yeah so like when people yeah when people had, okay oh, yeah so like, back back like, to this um <laughs> back on so yeah I, I don't know what what leg it was to but but i would expect suck up to be fine um but before we hop into ending the show with our no nonsense segment I do want to ask you guys this question. We we hit hit it hit on it a little bit before we started recording. This documentary series that the Titans are p- releasing on their website about Marcus Mariota and his life in Honolulu. It's called Mariota: A Titans Story or something like that. Are y'all going to watch that? Because <laughs> I probably, unless something just outrageous happens, which. It won't because it's being posted on the Titans website. Are y'all gonna watch this? Or do y'all care? Are y'all interested? I'm gonna be honest. This off season, I've kind of not cared a lot about what has happened <laughs> with, with the team and just with football in general. I don't know if maybe I'm getting older and I just don't really care about the the small details and stuff. But no, I will not be watching. I don't really care. Not. This is not great promotion for the podcast, Matias. <laughs> it's like I don't know, man. This football thing kind of sucks. <laughs> um, <laughs> I will definitely watch it. Uh, like, let me be clear: I do not 
enjoy human interest pieces. I think people are all inherently bad and just generally suck. But Marcus Mariota is the best human there is. And, you know, and so, like, I feel like I should support him. But more than anything, I just, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later, the timing is so weird on it. And this was filmed months ago. So I'm, I'm really curious as to why they thought now was a good time to do it, what the information is in it. And, I mean, there'll probably be, like, eight, ten-minute clips or something. Like, I mean, they won't be long. And, I mean, I, I got to get on the elliptical every morning anyway. I might as well have something to distract me in the middle. Like, you know, people talking good about Marcus Mario has never made me mad. So, uh, I mean, you I know. I will I, say, if there was any Titan that I would watch a documentary on, it would be Mariota because he's so nice. And I he, love him. It would literally have to be him or Pac-Man Jones. Like, it would have to be somebody <laughs> on my, like, it'd have to be the devil on my right shoulder, the angel on my left shoulder. Like, it would have yeah. to be somebody so polarized. Because, because I mean, like, if it, legitimately, like, Luke, answer this. If they showed him, like, going and getting water out of the ocean, like, purifying it through some process and then taking it to orphans. What is he, homeless? Would you think... <laughs> no, 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 not for You act like Hawaii is a third world country. It's part of the United States. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, but there's part of the United States that's not good. Yeah, well, yes, if he goes and gets ocean from water from the ocean, purifies it, and gives it to orphans in Dude. Hawaii, I will watch. Also, let me say this. Have you been to Hawaii? I've not, no. Hawaii, if we have any Hawaiian listeners, I, I apologize. I've really enjoyed parts of your state. Uh, other parts are not good. Uh, I, I've been to Hawaii twice, and I don't know the names of the island, and I have a friend who just lived there in the summer, and there is some sketchy stuff that goes on in Hawaii. Like, it's not all, like, palm trees and like, lays and coconut bras and all that. Like, they, there's some rough stuff around there, too. I mean, but. as with every part. Like, you go to Nashville, and, like, you see, you know, the, the honky-tonks and everything, and then you go to the parts of town, like, the Stadium Inn and, and like, places around town like that. Like, every yeah. everywhere is that way. Um, look, if I do watch, I probably won't because I just don't have that much time. Like football season's about to start, and I'm you know spread about as thin as I can be. But if I were to watch, my motivation would be getting to know this guy a little bit beyond <laughs> the surface, you know. Yeah, he doesn't really express himself all that much, except for being a very nice person. Yeah, he, it's like... he talks once a week at a podium, and that's it. And after games, and that's it. That that's all that we get with this guy. Because the rest of the Titans players, after practice, once the season starts, open locker rooms. You walk up, take them off to the side, have a conversation with them. You can turn the recorder off and just cut up with them off the record. None of that with Mariota. Once a week at a podium. Does, that's it. Does he go out? Does he have a girlfriend? Do we know anything? He about had his a girlfriend at one point. I don't know if he still does. Oh, yeah. well, at least we know that. It, maybe maybe the hottest take of this podcast is I think Mariota is low-key, like, one of the coolest dudes on the team. Not from my own perspective, but, like, if you if you um, watch that video of uh, Matt Castle or whatever when he's, like, cussing and Mariota's in the background, he laughs, like, super yeah, hard. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking uh, about. It's, it's the only video, like, evidence that he has emotion, but he's so, like, he laughs so hard at it. And like you'll listen, you'll hear like bits and pieces. It's like Delaney Walker is like, man, like I love Mariota. He's great. This and Luan will talk about how they went to the Predators game and like how like you know Mariota's cool and how he interacted, he interacts with him and likes him and all that stuff. And all these guys believe in Mariota to the point where it's not like he's just some robot or like somebody that they just see. Like I think uh-huh. they. Like they all talk about him with such like glowing praise as him as a person. Yeah. And it's not like, you know, he does great work in the community. It's like he's a good guy and he does all, like I think he's like just not a celebrity. Like he he's not a guy who's gonna go out and do a bunch of crazy things. Like he's probably like an introvert who's just really giving but, with his time. But and, I, mean, I mean like Kevin Kevin Byard's not a celebrity. But dude, like he we also Byard, know who he is. Yeah, but Kevin Byard also ran out to the star at Dallas at Cowboy Stadium or whatever, <laughs> okay. and like, did like, like, he's gonna be a star. Like he, he, like he's not afraid to like. He's embrace. also he's active on Twitter, also and on, on social media. Mario yeah. doesn't even have 
He doesn't have anything. And I will say yeah, it was interesting. Last year, I wrote a feature on Mariota's leadership, and I went and, and I talked to just about every Titans offensive starter about that. And I think some of the favorite things I heard came from Corey Davis, who said that he, you can see it in his eyes when you play. And, mm-hmm. and that's coming from someone who knows him very well. Uh, Delaney Walker talked about how he doesn't like the loud guys because they're usually the ones that end up getting it handed to him. And <laughs> and Taylor Lewan kind of talked about, like, you know, he said, I'll be the one wearing the fancy suits. I'll be the one that does the talking. He does it a different way, and that doesn't make him any worse. And I think there's just probably a lot with him that goes on just that we don't see. I think so, too. And you, you kind of, like... You can tell, especially in the in those playoff games or, or and the game against the Jaguar where he had that stiff arm, and then the Chiefs game where he laid that block, and and all uh, all of his teammates came to him and they were like mobbing him. I, I think he he's just one of those guys that does a lot of these leadership things behind closed doors, and he doesn't really want it to get out there into the public. Yeah, like I was gonna say the exact same thing. Like the famous like clip of him like you know, blocking or, or whatever, whatever that is, the aftermath where like everybody starts mobbing him. And like, you see like Derek Morgan and like Brian Schwenke and Brian Arakpo. Like it's not guys he's like playing with on the field right then. It's like mm-hmm. backup offensive linemen and like defensive players, like defensive players don't always shove, show love to their quarterbacks. Like, I'm not sure Terrell Suggs has ever met a quarterback on his own team. He's liked, <laughs> so like, it's it's not just a given because they're all on the same team that they're all going to be like singing kumbaya and be happy. Like, he's he's that dude. Also, like, I think they're like I think they know the medical stuff that he has to deal with, and it's like they're like this dude is playing through stuff that I probably couldn't play through. And when Mario plays, he doesn't like he doesn't half ass it. Like he's not tiptoeing around. He's like. I'm going to play a hundred percent. And if I get hurt again, you know, it sucks, but it happens. And you know, for better or worse, that's who he is. So, I mean, it will be the, the whole point of this is to talk about, you know, that, that series and talk about how it might be interesting. Like we may not find out about him as like what he does, you know, in his spare time, but just if they have three interviews of him that are like two minutes long and they're just not him, you know, kind of just saying rehearsed things or things that he feels like is the right thing to say. And just him speaking, honestly, like it will be the most insightful six minutes we've ever seen from him. So, you sold me. Yeah. I'm, watch it I, I'm actually, the more we've talked about it, you've, you guys have kind of turned me over to giving it a chance. Um, yeah. We're going to, we're going to close out as we always do with our hashtag stop the nonsense segment if you have a suggestion of something we can talk about in this segment, send it to us on Twitter at NoNonsensePod. Use the hashtag StopTheNonsense. And what we do in this segment is we share the worst take we've seen from the last week regarding the Tennessee Titans. We've got some humdingers this week because I know you guys were sharing with me before the show uh, what you have. And here's what I've got. So during the uh, the Titans scrimmage at Nissan Stadium – I tweeted out something about Anthony Ferkser uh, looking good. And someone tweeted back at me and said, this is at the MJ take, who I believe you two are both familiar with to some degree, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. This, yeah. this is, uh, he, he tweets, Johnny Smith about to be cut? And I said, zero chance that what? happens. Because there is zero chance that happens. And he says, Ferkser and Pruitt, that being Michael Pruitt, both better than Johnny in my opinion. Keeping Johnny at this point is just because of where he was taken in the draft. And then he doubled down because I said, did you watch them last season? And he said, yes. And here come the fake stats. You guys know I love fake stats. Pruitt had a better catch percentage. uh, Was a better blocker. Okay. Look, Johnny Smith was a very, 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 very average player for the Titans last season. To, to a degree. He, he got better at certain points. Michael Pruitt did nothing. I think he maybe caught one pass. And you're sitting here because of catch percentage, whatever that means. Is it catches out of the plays that were run? Catches, I don't know what this means. It's a fake stat. But you're sitting here saying that because of that stat, you want to keep a guy who did nothing 
over a guy who did a lot of different things, who has two years left on his contract at very, very cheap cap hits. Just absurd. That's a good one. I did not. I did not know that was a thing, John. So <laughs> earlier today, uh, the Titans MCM account, uh, Music City Miracles, friends of the pod, they do great work. Honestly, I, I, they're probably not going to be on this very often. But they tweeted out conspiracy theory bomb. Vrabel and company gave Mariota the day off today to let Ryan Tannehill practice extensively with the ones as part of a planned preparation for an eventual Mariota injury. Thoughts? So that's pretty much what a backup quarterback does, and pretty much on every single team they get reps with the ones. So I don't know why that's a conspiracy theory at all. But and, under and, that— And the guy you just mentioned, Paul Kuharski, <laughs> quote-tweeted that and said— didn't them trading for Tannehill prove to us that they think he's going to play this year? I did not know he quote tweeted it, but that's good. <laughs> so it gets even better. All right. And then under that tweet, someone named Albert Marks uh, tweeted, or Ow. Marks, Albert Marta, or MMA has already agreed to an extension, thus, why the Titans are releasing the documentary on Wednesday to remind fans that he is great. Why go to the effort of making that documentary in a contract year if you're going to get rid of him? First of all, oh, that's a who, humdinger. As someone, as someone who works in the comms department for a for a team, let me just say you need to make content all the time, just twenty four seven about the players that are on your team. There's he's not getting special treatment, and this isn't like something because he's going to be here forever. There also, are guys if, that if Mario- that will probably leave. There, there are guys that are probably going to get cut before the season ends that have probably been written about in puff pieces on TitansOnline.com. So that has nothing to do with it. Also, if Mariota had already signed a contract extension days ago, there is zero chance that no one on the local beat would have gotten to that. Would have also, by now. Don't you have to announce something as soon as you sign it? I don't yeah, know, it's- man. It's it's like it, his agent's like, yeah, I'll keep it quiet until y'all feel like it's ready. It's like, no, he's going to announce that so that, you know, prospective clients can read that and he can snatch somebody up because he made him $100 million this year. Like, it's it's the theory behind it isn't crazy. If your yes, theory it is, is, Will. The theory no, 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 is no, no, crazy. No, no, no. The theory that they present. And it is crazy. The theory, if you're thinking like they like him and they think they think there's a chance that they're going to extend him at some point. Yeah, like go ahead and run this. If you're like, this is like the breadcrumbs that lead to his contract. It's like, no, he didn't sign a contract already. Will, what have you got? Uh, so uh, mine's from Bleacher Report, who, you know, I, I try to stay away from in these because, you know, They've got a bunch of different people writing about it. Like sometimes wires get crossed or sometimes they have people that have to cover things that clearly aren't their territory. And they kind of, you know, pick and choose things they've heard from other sources, whatever. This one was – they doubled down. It was insane. So I'll start off at the beginning of the story. Uh, they were clearly asked to do an undrafted free agent from each team who was, you know, had a chance to play this season. And they picked Hamp Cheevers. And this was – Last week, if you don't know who Ham Cheevers is, that's fine. He hasn't been on the Titans roster in <laughs> several weeks because was, he's been injured. It was so, May. I think it yeah. was May. I yeah, so don't even worry about it. You don't need to know his name. He's already an Atlanta Falcon. Like it's it, They waived him injured and had a settlement and they've already moved on. So don't worry. You're not missing any like super secret like sleeper. Okay, wires get crossed. You, you know, you put down a name, whatever. They double down, and as much as it hurts me to say this, because I think I've been, you know, as interested in this underact free agent as anybody else. But they put Alex Barnes as the guy they replace him with, and when they give, uh, I'm going to quote this. This is the explanation they give. Barnes comes into the league as a bigger ball carrier who can wiggle away from defenders in open space. Last Last year, he handled the large workload at Kansas State, registering 256 carries for 1,355 yards and 12 touchdowns. The former Wildcat also flashed pass catching ability with 20 receptions for 194 yards. The rookie may push David Fluellen for his roster spot. So, nothing about camp. Not not a thing. You know, the whole thing is guys who are making splashes and who could start. You know, what do you what do you see in weeks into pre? Uh, 
we preseason practice and training camp. Nothing about that. And the reason why is because he's not getting any first team or second team snaps. He's with Logan. Like Logan Woodside is usually his quarterback. You know, Jeremy is it Jeremy McNichols? I don't even know. Is McNichols? Yeah, I know it's Jeremy, McNichols. Yeah, Jeremy. yeah, like Jeremy. Yes, Jeremy. Mc, yeah. So Jeremy McNichols is getting snaps over him. Dalen Dawkins is getting snaps over him. And like I said, like I, I mean. This is a loss for me because I wanted Barnes to be a cheap replacement and a depth guy at running back. Like I, I've been very clear on how I think that would help the Titans long term, but he just isn't it. And the man of the day, Paul Garski, uh, this was tweeted out earlier today, and you know people were complaining about it. And Paul Karski said he's slow. Period. I think was the direct <laughs> quote. So, you know, <laughs> shout out to Paul for getting on every single one of these. It seems like, but he's been on top of the bad takes, but. But, I mean, when when your guy, your undrafted free agent running back who's supposed to be athletic and a power back is deemed too slow and is clearly getting outworked at fullback reps by David Flewellen, he's probably not the guy you want to pick. Yeah, uh, that's going to do it for this episode of No Nonsense, the Tennessee Titans podcast. Next week we will be back. We're gonna we're gonna continue this discussion of is is the preseason worth it? We're gonna recap the Titans preseason opener and we're gonna look ahead to the New England Patriots coming to town for two joint practices as well as a preseason game. So you'll want to stay tuned to our feed. We're now on iTunes. So you can go there if that's where you like to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show there. You'll get all the episodes. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, tons of other platforms. So again, stay tuned to next week. For Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas, I'm Luke Worsham reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.